Vint is the first fully transparent wine investment platform genuinely accessible to everyone. For less than $100, you can own SEC-qualified shares of the best wines in the world. The Vint Wine Investment Podcast offers up-to-date information on the world of wine and investing, as well as current perspectives on our collections and the wine markets in general. Enjoy the show. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Vint Wine Investment Podcast. Uh, you have Billy, the head of wine here at Vint, um, and I just want to share a couple updates for this week and in the world of wine um, when it comes to Vint. So we have a couple exciting announcements. Um, first, you guys may have noticed already if you're listening to this, uh, you're most likely you know in the Vint community, but our Napa Valley 2018 collection is live. Uh, we're very excited about this collection, features some of the best wines from Napa Valley, some of the hardest to um, acquire allocations. Um, and yeah, no, it's it's really exciting right now. As we sit, as we're recording, there's less than 50% of the shares remaining. Uh, with, you know, of the 2,800 that started, we have 1096 remaining right now. So it's really exciting. Um, people have been kind of snapping up these shares really quickly. Um, for anybody else still interested in grabbing some, there, there are still some left um, as of, you know, Thursday morning. Um, so hopefully, you know, there will be when you're listening to this, uh, they're $50 a share. Um, and yeah, you're going to be getting access to, you know, Screaming Eagle red and white. Um, I think we mentioned in the last podcast, but the white Screaming Eagle is only made in 50 cases a year. So that's only 600 total bottles. Um, so you're getting access to some, some really rare wines. Um, and yeah, we're, we're just really excited to be able to offer this to everyone and have it, um, receive such a warm reception so far. So while the collection is is very exciting and, um, you know, we put a lot of hard work and sweat into that, I have another announcement that we're really excited to share with you guys. We have our first direct-to-consumer wine box that you can actually drink available. Um, it's called the Vint Napa Valley Winemakers Box. Uh, we worked with our partners at Major Crush. Um, we are also on their podcast. Go check them out. Uh, to basically connect directly with uh, three winemakers to access wines in their from their library, from their cellars. Um, these are wines that are not readily available to the public. Um, some of them are down to only like 20 cases remaining in existence, you know, at the winery. So it, it was really exciting. Um, so let's, let's kind of dive in and explore what wines are in these boxes. So again, an outline of this is going to be a box of six total bottles three different wines, two bottles of each. So you can have one, lay one down, um, keep it going. They're all Cabernet Sauvignon and they're all from Napa. So what the aim of this box is really is if you invested in the Napa collection, sure you're investing in some of the best Napa Cabernets in existence, maybe also some of the best, you know, Chardonnays from Napa as well. But these, these wines are, you know, prohibitively expensive. So what we wanted to offer are wines that are either from nearby vineyards, um, nearby regions, basically wines of extreme quality, but not quite at that price point to make them more accessible to everyone. So again, these are six bottles, three different Napa cabs, um, all from different regions, which I'll kind of get into here. And they're $600 altogether. So these wines, typically, if you were to buy them retail, are would add up to over $800. Um, so this box really, you know, is saving you money and you're getting access to wines that really aren't even accessible via retail, but the retail pricing would have had them at $800. Um, so let's let's dive into these wines. Um, 
that are included in this box. So the first one we'll we'll talk about is a 2017 Judge Palmer Beckstoffer Tokalon Vineyard. Uh, Tokalon Vineyard may sound familiar to you guys. It is the best considered quote unquote best vineyard in all of Napa. Um, it's you know really highly praised. Uh, it was planted in 1868 by a man H.W. Crab. Um, and since then, the likes of the Mandavis have been planting there. Uh, the Beckstoffers are the most have the largest holding right now and are kind of the most proponents, biggest proponents, I guess you would say, of you know really making the uniqueness of this terroir known. Um, some of the, the Tokalon fruit is in Opus 1. So basically, that is one reason we really wanted to share this wine with you is it's, it's a really special vineyard. And it's basically like you're drinking, you know, an element of Opus One or some of these super high, highly expensive Napa cabs. Um, something that's interesting is the word Tokalon, you may see it used by the Mandavis in different ways. They've trademarked the term so they can use it across different products. Whereas Beckstoffer is actually a vineyard designate term. So when they say Tokalon, all of the fruit or 95% of the fruit has to come from that Tokalon vineyard. Uh, so it's really giving you an assurance that it's all coming from this place. Um, and that's really exciting. We met with the winemaker uh, or one of the co-owners in Sonoma, uh, Palmer Emmett, um, where the winery is based. And he was just raving about the fruit from 2018 and saying, or um, from 2017, sorry, that's the vintage, um, how special this year was. And um, he was really excited. So we're excited to share that with you guys. Uh, the next wine is the watermark 2016 Mount Veter wine. Uh, this was really interesting. I got to go meet this winemaker up at his home in Howell Mountain. Um, it's a beautiful place, you know, kind of perched the top of the one of the highest points in all of Howell Mountain. Uh, we got out that, you know, they have this large uh, golden doodle that's actually black. Um, you know, it's kind of interesting. It's, it was black poodle mixed with a golden retriever. Um, it was just really exciting. We got to sit outside, drink wine, um, got to taste this exact wine and it is, it's really a, a, a special wine. Um, but what's interesting is the winemaker, Phil, um, he works for Diamond Creek and he's got made multiple hundred point wines for Diamond Creek. So he's really a renowned winemaker who decided to make his own label and allow, you know, people to kind of really see his true expression without any input from anybody else. Um, so, so this wine's really exciting. Um, he was mentioning that the vineyard where this wine came from was actually damaged in fires in recent years. And while the vines weren't completely destroyed, they haven't been able to make any wine from it since just because the vines are still recovering. So the 2016 is a rare bottling and they haven't made any more recently. So as it's, you know, being drank, you know, there's not going to be any more from the specific vineyard. So it's really exciting and limited access. And then last but not least, we have the 2011 handwritten Stag's Leap. Um, you know, the Stag's Leap district is an AVA named after the, the famous, you know, vineyard and producer. Um, and it's this beautiful hillside area, um, produces excellent fruit. Unfortunately, uh, this vineyard was also in a fire recently, one of the, the many up there. And due to the kind of different aspects of the area and potentially the volcanic soils themselves, while the vineyards themselves didn't burn, the roots actually heated up enough to kill the vines. So not only unlike, you know, the watermark where these vines damage, they're actually damaged beyond repair and will never make fruit again. So what's really exciting is, you know, this 2011 handwritten is 
one of, you know, very few cases left of this vintage. And it's one of many, or it's less than 20 in existence um, from the actual producer. So it's kind of nice to be able to go meet all of these individuals, go see their sellers, um, and really, you know, understand how special these library wines to them and why they've kept them for so many years, um, rather than just letting them all be sold right away um, via retail. So Again, this is it's really exciting for us to be able to offer wines to be actually drank alongside our investment wines. Um, as great as it is to, you know, be able to buy shares in the best wines of the world, we want to be able to provide you guys with the, you know, high quality wines that are kind of the fruits of our relationships. You know, we have relationships with producers and merchants throughout the world and we have access to these amazing wines at affordable prices as well as, you know, great values for the you know, more expensive investable wines as well. So this is um, one of our first boxes and we hope to be bringing you guys more that either correspond with individual collections or groups of collections that we're having um, at any period of time. This one for the time being will be, would be a great Christmas gift. Um, It won't be able to ship in time for Thanksgiving at this point, but it would be an amazing, you know, Christmas gift for anyone or for something for yourself to share with family and friends over the holidays. Um, speaking of the holidays, before we you know wrap up this wine segment here, we're going to talk about some wines that are perfect for pairing for Thanksgiving. Um, I'm going to give you guys a couple of kind of my go-tos for white wines and red wines. And this year in particular, you know, I've kind of been going through different phases as wine make wine drinkers do. Um, so let's let's talk about a couple things. So for whites, what do you look for for whites? A lot of Thanksgiving food uh, tends to be, you know, a little heavier. Some can be a little, like, greasier if you have some, like, dark meat turkey. Some can be a little dry if you have light meat turkey. Um, some people have spicier dishes depending on what part of the country or, you know, where their food is inspired from. Some people are eating seafood. Um, I have friends who, you know, have eaten oysters with dinner. So, you know, it really can run the gamut. So what I look for in a white wine is something with good acidity um, and potentially some... You know, it could be a, a touch sweet um, sometimes because that, you know, kind of panders to a lot of people's palates. Um, you know, some people, you have your whole family at dinner and maybe, you know, your aunt Susie doesn't necessarily want the driest white you humanly have. So something with a touch of, you know, a little bit of sweetness might be interesting for them. So the three wines I would recommend are a Riesling, a Vino Verde, and an Albarino. So Riesling, my favorite, come from Germany. Uh, I would look, you know, anywhere basically in, you know, the Mosul, um, Rheinhessen, uh, Faltz, you know, you you name it. Um, German Rieslings are kind of the way to go, for me at least. Um, I like a Spätlese kind of approach. It's a style that basically means later pick. They tend to be lower alcohol, like 9%, with nice acid balanced by this really rich apricot stone fruit um, as well. And then moving on to the, the Vino Verde is very similar from uh, Portugal. These are light wines. Um, some of them have a little bit of sweetness, but they tend to only be like 9%, very fruit forward. But the interesting part of the Vino Verde is they bottle them with a little bit of spritz typically. So there's a little bit of this effervescence to help pick up some of the weight from maybe your your stuffing or something else that you might be pairing with. Um, and then last but not least, Albarino is a varietal um, it is grown a little bit all over the world now, but it's most famously from Galicia in northeastern or northwestern um, Spain. Um, the expressions from there, from Rio Spices, is the region, um, what it's called there. Um, 
It's really crisp, lean, citrus forward. It, it's drier than the other two on average, um, but it has this great minerality and basically linearity. It's it, it's just a really nice wine that pairs well, um, and it's on the drier side, so it pairs well, you know, with that seafood if you have it. Um, it also can ha- cut through and kind of pair well with any any salad. Um, the green beans it would also work well with because it has this little bit of like, you know, not necessarily herbaceous, but like a citrus tone to it as well. Kind of floral, closer to like a Sauvignon Blanc, but something more interesting in my opinion. Um, moving on to reds, I tend to go red fruit forward. Um, when I go to these reds, I would say lighter in general, but that's not necessarily... Okay, so I'm looking for something that's maybe red food forward with some undertones of like this bramble or dark kind of speckled in, but maybe not like, you know, big and jammy wines. Um, these tend to be like lower alcohol in terms of the American palate. Maybe they're closer to, you know, 12 or 13 percent and then still have a little bit of fresh acidity to kind of pick up and kind of cleanse the palate at the end of each taste. Um, so the three wines I'd recommend here are a Beaujolais. Uh, a Grenache, Garnacha, um, depending on where you buy it from or what country it comes from, and then Austrian reds. Um, so we'll, we'll kind of break down both of those. Beaujolais is a region just south of Burgundy. It's technically part of Burgundy. The main grape there is Gamay. Um, they have multiple tiers of wine here, just like in a lot of French areas. Uh, you can get a really quality wine um, at the village level. There's a Beaujolais village. Um, even a general region just calling it Beaujolais. Um, and then if you really want to, you know, go up a notch, you can go to Beaujolais or Cru Beaujolais. Um, there's 12 of these different crews. That just means basically it comes from a certain area in Beaujolais. What's great about Beaujolais, though, it's it's very high quality, but the wines are very affordable. So unlike Burgundy, just to the north, even for the most expensive wines, you're only going to be, you know, in the 50 to $60 range, maybe. Um, so you can get a really quality bottle for, you know, 10 to $20. Um, and definitely 20 to $30. Grenache and Garnacha. This is the same grape um, rather than a region. It's grown in the southern row and southeastern part of France and also throughout uh, Spain. Great expressions of these. Very bright, easily um, very bright red fruits typically. Um, very approachable. It's kind of just like a happy wine that's, you know, just very positive and compare with everything from your your cranberry sauce to the turkey to basically everything in between. It's kind of just a crowd pleaser. And then Austrian reds. These are a personal fave. I've been on a, a kick of these for a little over a year now. Uh, the primary grapes in there are Zweigelt and Blau Frankish. Um, yeah, they're very German sounding names, but they make some really delicious wines with really bright acidity. Um, starting with Zweigelt, it tends to be made in a little simpler, easy to approach style, kind of leans a little bit more red fruits, but can go into um, black as well. But it's just like a light, easy drinking, fresh, um, the, the wine term is kind of quaffable. It's just a really easy, low tannin, very approachable wine. Um, perfect pairing with everybody. It's kind of a crowd pleaser. And then Blau Frankish can also go from, you know, kind of this lighter, high acid kind of, it goes a little darker fruits, like easy drinking wine, kind of a simpler wine. And it can go all the way up to being a complex, you know, really thoughtful wine that can age in a really deep way. Um, It can kind of run the gamut depending on how the winemaker makes it. But what you're always going to find is bright acidity that helps, you know, refresh your palate as you're drinking. And then just kind of um, a really, you know, kind of low to medium tannin, something that doesn't build up and always kind of brings you back for another sip. And um, yeah, so this these are my favorites. 
you know, they're all, you can find them in most grocery stores or Total Wines. Um, and we'll have a list of these in the description below. So you guys, you know, I, I know that was a lot very quickly here. So we'll have, you know, the list of the wines and little descriptions of the general, uh, what you can expect from the flavor profiles for each. It's been a big week here at Vint. Um, I would say this has been the most press that we, we've ever gotten in one week. Uh, we officially announced our fundraise that we had talked about in um, last week's episode, we got picked up um, in the local Richmond newspaper, Richmond BizSense. Um, Richmond Inno wrote an article as well, as well as um, a host of other um, fintech and startup related um, businesses. So that was great to see. Um, we've, we've invested into PR as we think it'll help build this brand, um, add trust, and and really allow us to, to leverage that going forward. Um, unrelated to the fundraise, we had a, another really interesting interview um, early this week with Decanter, um, a pretty well-known wine um, publication. So that was also posted, Billy and I, um, talked with them and you you can find that article in the uh in the show notes um another high from the week was um vincent for those of you who aren't familiar with vincent they're an alternative asset aggregator um so if you wanted to see vent deals beside real estate deals like a ground floor deal or other platforms um, in our space. They they help aggregate and um, provide information on those. We were, our DRC collection was in the top 10 most viewed deals on the platform for, for last week. That was, that was really cool to see. Another possibly really good channel for, for customer acquisition. And then on the the internal um, company side, um, we had a really cool week with Billy being on the East Coast from LA. We had Brady, Josh, Billy, and even Ralph on the in the early part of the week working from our office. Uh, we did a team dinner at Brady's favorite place. That was that was great to get together. Um, talk talk business, but also talk um, personal things with with the team. Um, all around uh, another really good week um, and we'll have more next week for questions comments or feedback on the vent wine investment podcast please email us at support at vent.co to check out our current offerings and to sign up for the vent platform find us at www.vent.co that's www.vint.co vent and vv markets are offering securities pursuant to regulation a Our offering circular as amended can be found on the SEC website. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Investments such as those on the Vint platform are speculative and involve substantial risk to consider before investing. We may provide communication that may contain certain forward-looking statements that are subject to various risks and uncertainties. Information provided in any communications is not legal, business, or tax advice. All prospective investors should consult a legal, tax, or business advisor concerning the subject matter of any communications and any offering.